Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is our very special Bishop Timothy Fryer. Bishop, it's good to have you back. And if you'd be so kind as to open us with a word of prayer, I'm sure we would all be very pleased. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, in these days of uncertainty, fear, anxiety, worry, health issues, we ask that you send your blessing upon us. We know that you can do all things. We know that you are infinitely powerful and that your love for us has no limit or bounds. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to live not in fear but in hope that with the prayer and support of one another, you will guide us, strengthen us, so that we one day will be again back to a new normal life. We ask the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary that she continue to pray for us in those times that we're distracted, we're tired, we're afraid, that through her prayer we also may receive the comfort and strength that your Son can give us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And now, Bishop, before we go too far, Bishop Van has two bishops, and then a also a, uh, a vicar general. So how does that work exactly? You're kind of a junior bishop. What, what, sure. How does it work for you? Sure, great question. So um, we talk about how Bishop Van is the bishop. Bishop Tontine Nguyen and I are bishops, a bishop, but we're here to support Bishop Van. He's the shepherd of our diocese. Uh, bishop Van is really good in delegating a lot of things to us. So Bishop Nguyen and I... We don't oversee regions because our diocese is compact, but we do oversee aspects of ministry. So, for example, I oversee all of the faith formation efforts, Hispanic ministry. I'm temporarily also overseeing our operations. Bishop Nguyen is overseeing Catholic charities, Catholic schools, etc. So we report and give information to Bishop Van, but we help him in his ministries because really Bishop Van needs to be out with the people. The people need to be with their shepherd, and so... He lets us assist him in, in to do that. And so, yes, he's involved. He's the ultimate decision maker, but we try to assist him in that. So this is a little bit different than some other dioceses, like the Archdiocese of L.A. I know they have several bishops serving archbishop, and they're in regions, though. They're yes. like kind of in charge of their own little fiefdom, yes. so to speak. <laughs> yes. But for you, you have a, a, a certain set of responsibilities for the entire diocese. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So in the last few weeks, I was uh, talking to our technical director, who's very involved with Facebook and, and social media material. Uh, I hear that you've been out there a lot and involved with uh, the COVID-19 ministry. Is that also tasked to you, or is it just all the bishops are engaged in this? We're engaged in different ways. I've been more engaged, I think, all along. I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page, uh, Twitter, which I usually forget to get stuff onto as well. But 
Bishop Van uh, just yesterday did a, a live stream uh, praying the rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament. He's live streaming the Masses, and then he'll do some videos now and then. But when COVID-19 came, and especially when we were being told to socially distance, and then eventually we were told to pretty much stay at home, I've tried to get something out almost every day because I know there are people that are lonely, people that are worried, people are afraid, and just try to get something that will give them a word of hope, let them know that the church is here with them, uh, that our church, our priests are still available. One of the things I, I put out the other day was, if you're feeling alone, if you have questions, if you're afraid, if you just want somebody to pray with, call our priests. Our priests are still ministering. We we can pick up the phone. We can pray with you by phone. We can counsel you by phone. And I think we just need to continue to state so our people know that they're not alone, that we're with them. And the more I think I can flood those feeds, hopefully the, the better it will be. And the feedback I've gotten is good. I, I've asked people what their prayer intentions are, and I've gotten dozens and dozens of people asking me to pray for sick family members, uh, people who are losing their jobs, for healthcare workers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a great blessing. It's a great way to connect in, in a time when we don't connect in our normal ways. There's so many things you said in there that I, I want to, to unpack a little bit, including the idea that God can allow something like this to constitute, in addition to all the problems it creates, blessings as well. Do you see this kind of an event where we have uh, um, a virus that hits us that we really can't do anything about and it's it's be, it's faster moving than what we normally would have and therefore harder to, to get a hold of? Do you see this as, as a way, in, in addition to all the problems, that, that God is also using this? And if so, how? I think God can do great things with anything. I mean, that's the greatness of, of our Lord. And so, if he can take Peter and turn him into a church leader, yes, he can do exactly. anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, and and so I I think that there are a lot of blessings. My mom, she's in her eighties. She still uh, is very independent. You know, wants to live by herself, and thankfully she's got the health to do so. Uh, but she has macular degeneration, so she doesn't drive. But she's been telling me about the other day. Somebody came and they were at Costco, and you know they had more supplies than they needed. And so they dropped off supplies, and somebody else dropped off some tacos because she was saying the other day that she was craving tacos. And a neighbor came and said, if you need anything, just let me know. So I think this is creating a sense of goodness in a lot of hearts that the Lord is is working and touching hearts, and people are being more generous. They're being kinder. They're being more understanding. They're more willing to help and care for one another. Uh, so I think that's one of the blessings that God has given to us in the midst of this. Hopefully that's something that as we get through this pandemic, that those characteristics will still remain in our hearts. I think the connecting, the creativity is another blessing. Uh, the fact that people are finding creative ways to reach out to one another, to care for one another, those are all things that we can continue. You know, the fact that we have faith formation happening online, that could be something that down the road might become a new normal, that may be a blessing for us that's saying the way we've always been doing that may not be the most effective way anymore. And just as universities have gone to some distance learning, maybe we'll have a hybrid of that. It's important to have the community, I think, but giving some flexibility. So God is able to turn any tragedy into a blessing. As you said, though, it is a tragedy. It is difficult. I wouldn't wish this on anybody or any country, but God can, if we allow him, still make some good things happen. We Catholics look at it from a perspective that 
we don't want to die, but if we do, God willing, and and hopefully we don't mess things up along the way, we have faith that God will be with us and walk us through to the other side. Right. We have faith that there's something beyond this life. I almost wonder if one of the side aspects of having a, a, a scary pandemic like this come through is to not um, kind of hit some people upside the head a little bit. We live in a society that is so filled with me, me, myself, and I. I mean, I, I was looking at the spring break videos, and now they're saying some of these kids are beginning to come down with the virus. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard some people saying it serves them, right? N- no, actually, this is going to be a wake-up call, though, for many of them, I think, that even though they're healthy, do you realize that you may now be infecting your families, your grandmothers? Do you realize uh, that you, too, may? And then it raises some interesting questions, I think, in the, in the hearts and minds of people. How do I need God? I almost wonder if we don't become complacent in life and these types of events, God's still able to find a way to remind us, you're only secure as, as much as I allow you to be. Yes. Is there an aspect of that here too, do you think? Is there a, theolo- is there a theology of that that works? Or am I being a little macabre here? <laughs> no, no, Rick, I think you, you're hitting a great point that we tend to, especially the younger we are, the more we think we're invincible. And so we just think about what am I going to do on Friday night or what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't think about our end of life. We don't think about our immortality. And people are starting to think about that. I think they're aware that they need to prepare for death, but also they're aware that what they have hasn't really fulfilled them. And so they're starting to ask the question about, isn't there more even in this life? And when they start asking that question, I think it leads them to come to a position of faith to explore the the faith of, of Jesus Christ, in particular the Catholic Church. Jesus in John 6, when he gives the discourse on the on the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, he says that he came that we'd have life and have it in abundance. You know, Jesus didn't say that I came that you'd have life in mediocrity. I didn't come that you'd have life of suffering and, and endurance, but that we'd have life in abundance. And then, even more importantly, that if we eat his body and drink his blood, we'll have life within us and he'll raise us up on the last day. And I think that as people are faced with their own mortality... As people are faced with the fact that their life was kind of empty, both of those are drawing people, I think, into a closer relationship to Christ and, and the church and, and the ways that we can do it right now. I, I have said before, um, I, I think it was uh, the last interview I had with uh, Father Dr. Orsic, that there are no uh, atheists in foxholes. That when you've got the shells flying overhead and the military is is coming down on you from the other side, Everyone's praying, even if you're not entirely sure how. Yes. Uh, and I, I think it's times like these that we are reminded of our mortality and that uh, it's time to answer the serious question, how are you doing with God? Yes. And the Catholic Church still provides that answer. Yes. So it raises a question, while we're social distancing and our churches are pretty much closed down to, for all intents and purposes, for, for any kind of realistic interaction with anybody, how does the church continue to reach out in order to evangelize those who now are suddenly finding themselves asking those questions right. in this climate of what is it that God wants for me? And when you were, you were talking, one of the stories that I, I remember from when I was in a parish was there was a man who was on our finance council, and he had a good friend. The friend was an atheist all of his life, older now, dying, and you know he'd keep on saying, God, you've got to be baptized. You've got to get you baptized. No, no, no. And, and so finally he said, well, just meet with my pastor. 
And so we went over there, and he said, now, he may well kick you out of the room as soon as you get there, but we'll give it a shot. And so he was willing to sit with me, and we talked for a little bit. And and he said, well, I'm not sure this is right. And I said, okay, well, let's look at it this way. If you're right and I'm wrong, what do you lose by being baptized? A couple minutes and some wet hair. <laughs> if I'm right, what do you gain? Paradise for eternity. This is Pascal's wager. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So and And he said, makes sense. And so... You know, when we just even put it in somewhat humorous ways, I think that that will help uh, people to realize that we don't lose anything by coming to faith. You know, we, we've gained tremendously, and we just need to continue to reach out and, and share that message that it's a gift that God's giving to us. And, and ultimately, I can't bring a person to faith. It's always the Holy Spirit. I can be the way to invite them. I can be the instrument of the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit that's always going to touch on the heart of the person. Okay. We're talking with Bishop Timothy Fryer, and when we come back, I'm going to challenge him to reopen our all of our parishes and have masses back, because I'm not happy with that decision, though I will be faithful to that decision. We'll talk about that when we come back. I, I think he's actually got some pretty good answers for that. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. to Orange County Catholic Radio, high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Bishop Timothy Fryer. All right, I warned you at the end of the last segment, I was going to hit you hard on this. I am not happy that they closed down all the parishes. I am obedient and faithful, but I'm not happy. I also, I think I can understand it, but I do want you to explain it one more time. How is this not a sacrilege? How is this not an offense to God? How is this not depriving us of eternal life with Jesus Christ by not having the sacraments? Rick, your feelings are echoed by many people. That's Um, why I said it. I figured we'd get it out there. Yes, yes. (laughs) And and good people and people with faith, people who are longing to to receive Jesus in in the Eucharist or to go into the church and pray or even to go and just spend some time in quiet. The decision was not made easily. It was a decision that uh, was painful. Um, Bishop Van, Bishop Nguyen, myself, Monsignor Doktorczyk, we went back and forth. Ultimately, one, the governor's order said that people should not leave house for, with the exception of the essential services as defined by the federal government. And unfortunately, faith and religion is not viewed as essential by the government. You listen to a higher authority, Bishop. I would disagree with you, but go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. Um, but then as we started asking different experts about the medical issues with this virus, which you had alluded to earlier. This is something different from what we've seen. And so even if we had our churches open for prayer, the way this virus works is suppose I have it. Right now I don't have any symptoms. I feel great. That's the problem with this. I don't know you have it. And I could be infectious within hours from having been in contact with somebody and not know it for two weeks. So I go into the church and I just cough, I just blow my nose. At the end of my time of prayer, I'm going to leave the pew. I put my hand down on the pew to genuflect. A day later, a day and a half later, somebody comes They're and puts it down. up to 17 days on yes. surfaces. Yeah. Yes, and somebody touches that, and then they scratch their face, yep. and they're infected. And we painfully said, we don't have the resources, both as far as manpower, but also enough wipes to be constantly wiping down the church every time somebody comes in or out. 
And it so, lingers in the air for quite some time, yes, too, I understand. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's terrible. Another aspect is, and people have raised this to me, and I think it's, it's a good argument, you know, that we've resisted totalitarian regimes. We've resisted all kinds of dictatorial governments. They were trying to oppress the church. And this is not about oppressing the church. This is about helping the people of God, the body of Christ, remain faithful so that we can continue to worship and our ministry can continue to exist. And then talking with priests, too, because priests are like, it feels so weird. I miss my people on Sunday. I know some of our parishes have asked their prisoners to send in pictures, and they put the pictures of the families and the people in the pews because... I have seen that. That's cool. It's hard for, for, especially on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. We celebrate his resurrection, and to just be there... You know, maybe with the iPad on, on a GoPro stick because they're live streaming or a camera or even completely by yourself. It, it's hard. It, it's painful. People have a longing to receive the Blessed Sacrament and that's a good thing. But again, if I don't know that I'm symptomatic and I'm celebrating Mass and I've got my people there and I'm in close contact with them as I'm giving them Holy Communion, I'm breathing on them. It's and kind of like. They're breathing on you too. Yes. Yeah, and, and we have a number of priests who are in their 60s yes. and 70s even. Yes. And and a friend of mine who's a priest in another diocese was saying, you know, that what he came to and the way that he came to peace with this, because he really was not happy with his bishop uh, when this decision came out about no public mass. And he said, it would be like Damien the leper. If Molokai or Kalapapa had no lepers, and Damien just went there to evangelize. And he had no idea at that point that he was symptomatic with leprosy and didn't understand how it worked. And then, even though his intentions were good and right, he would have infected that whole island. Yeah. He said, my intentions would be good and right to celebrate the public mass and give communion, yeah. but I could be killing my parishioners. I had Patrick Madrid on an, uh, about a week or two ago made a profound statement uh, he had someone calling in and saying, I long for the Eucharist. This is wrong. I would do, I would die for the Eucharist. Says, Absolutely. You would die for the Eucharist. Are you willing to kill for it? Yes. Because inadvertently, that's what you could be doing. And that's the difference here. Yes. Yeah. And, and so we've encouraged people to make the spiritual communion, you know, again, expressing. Well, it raises a question for me, not to interrupt, but it raises sure. a question for me. Do we need communion on a regular basis to be good Catholics? And I, I realize that's a complicated yeah. question, isn't it? Yes. It's a great gift that the Lord gives to us, but is weekly communion necessary for salvation? No. Uh, and is our in this case where we've been dispensed from the obligation to attend Mass, so we are not committing a right. sin by not being at Mass, is it necessary for salvation? No. Is it a great assistance for our salvation? Do this, does the grace help us? Of course. But we don't need it for salvation, we would love to be able to have communion uh, again as soon as possible, uh, both for the benefit of the priest, but also in spiritual communion, we unite ourselves to, to Christ. Not the same as the physical communion, but the church has a history of, of that spiritual communion. Pope Francis has been promoting that frequently now and you know, even leading people in praying uh, different versions of, of the prayer of spiritual communion. That we have people that are... are truly sad to the point of tears because they can't receive their their daily communion. And all we can do right now is to offer that suffering up for so many of our good Catholic brothers and sisters who do live in oppressive regimes, who 
would long to receive Holy Communion even once a year, but they can't. And that's been part of my prayer lately, is praying especially for the persecuted Christians. This is helping me to realize how blessed we are that we have this gift. That person who's a persecuted Christian who can't receive Eucharist through no fault of their own probably will be in heaven well before me because they're they're living a martyrdom right now that I've not been called to live. And this raises another interesting point. It's that how we are all combined and, and united together as the body of Christ. I, I don't want to go too far in the weeds in theology, but I, I do want to touch on something for just a moment. In Romans chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul outlines his theology of the body of Christ, right. where all of us collectively together are are sewn together as one body, not individuals, and it's done through the Holy Spirit. I When I used to teach in high school theology, I, I would give the image of an aspen forest. If you've ever looked gone to Colorado and seen an aspen yes. forest, often what you're looking at on the side of a hill is one organism, even though you've got 300 tree trunks. But under the surface, you've got them all connected from runners. They started with one tree, and over 150 years, they've grown into a whole forest of one organism. You just can't see how they're connected. And the body of Christ is very much like that. We're connected under the surface spiritually by the Holy Spirit so that what happens to the body, as we learned painfully when priests committed horrible crimes against children not that long ago, it affected the entire body tremendously in ways we could observe, but it also affected us on a moral, spiritual level that dragged the body down. So, too, when the body and any individual in the body receives communion, like the priests do when they're offering communion, that we are trusting that they're offering daily as they're able, as the Holy Father does when he's offering communion. Not only can we individually participate in a a mental, spiritual communion, but we also are really taking part in it through the body of Christ because we're part of that body. Can you touch on that for a moment? Did I go off? Sure. Did my wheels come off, or, or is that something that you hold to as well? Yes. No. You're 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 exact. So, Saint Paul persecuting the church when he was Saul, and and Acts of the Apostles. I think part of the reason why theologians say that he developed this theology of the mystical body of Christ is that when the Lord appeared to him and knocked him off the horse, he didn't say, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church, or why are you persecuting these people, why are you persecuting me." that Jesus was saying to Paul, when you were at the stoning of Matthias or any of these people, you were persecuting me. That Jesus claimed at that moment that each one of us belonged to him in an intimate way and that we form his body. And so St. Paul develops that theology, as you mentioned, that we're all united spiritually. We're all part of the mystical body of Christ. And so if I sin, the mystical body of Christ is wounded. If I, years ago when I was in seminary, I had to have a surgery on my left toe, my little toe, my baby toe. It threw off my entire life. This little, oh. this little. Toe, I mean, I, I didn't want to. It's a good lesson, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I I didn't eat sometimes because it was just too burdensome to go to the refectory and get food. Or you know, I, if I drink more water, I'm going to have to go down the hallway to the bathroom and just such a pain. You know, I was almost dehydrating myself for this insignificant part of my of my body and so it is with us when one of us grows in holiness it affects the whole body if one of us sins it affects the whole body that's one of the reasons why we go to confession and we receive the lord's forgiveness but also reconciliation with the body of christ that we've hurt the church so it is when a priest celebrates mass even by himself 
which frequently is the way I celebrate Mass and where I live, that Mass has benefit for every single person. And the benefit is not a small benefit. It's an infinite benefit. That Christ has come an down from heaven. Infinite benefit. That's infinite something people benefit. need to keep in mind. Yes, yeah. it's an infinite benefit. It affects everybody. everybody. Yeah. Yes, and and Christ comes down at that moment from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming that bread and wine into His body, blood, soul, and divinity, and the church is sanctified. Whether there's five million people at a papal mass or a priest by himself, and we all receive that grace, and especially know that the priests are in particularly offering a lot of these masses for their people, for the people of the Diocese of Orange, for those who are sick, for health care workers. And so great grace is being given, even if we may not see it, even if we're not physically present, God is still doing great things in us. Just as right now we could pray for somebody that lives in Kenya. That person would have no idea that we're praying for them, would not see us pray for them, and God's grace would still be given to that person. So when we're talking about being denied our communion, as I hit yes. you upside the head at the yes. beginning of this, my apologies, because it, no, it's, it, it's a... You're not the first. It's a... <laughs> hopefully it wasn't the hardest either. But the bottom line is we're not really being deprived of Eucharist, just individually we are. So how strong is your faith? Right. Do you understand that it's still happening to your soul through the Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ? Right that when we participate in the body of Christ in any way, that we are able to embrace the Eucharist that you're taking when you right. offer Mass. Yes. Yeah. And and so, again, continue to watch the live stream Masses. Most of our parishes have that now. Uh, some have greater production value than others, but it doesn't matter because the Mass is still the Mass. You know, a Mass celebrated in a beautiful cathedral is lovely, a mass celebrated by a military chaplain on a jeep in a war zone, the soldiers there, they're not complaining about the lack of a beautiful building. They're just filled with gratitude that they're able to receive the Eucharist. So watch the live stream. I've seen great pictures of people watching it, and the family is kneeling before the television set, uh, recognizing that they can still spiritually be in adoration of of the Blessed Sacrament. Beautiful. Uh, To respond out loud, if the priest says, the Lord be with you, say out loud and with your spirit. Be active in that participation of that live stream Mass, and then make that spiritual communion, and the Lord will fill you with that grace at that time. I know that there is a a theology, and I don't want to get into it too much because we're almost out of time for this segment, of being in a, a certain presence, closeness to be able to participate in the Mass. Yet we still have people who might be removed by window panes in the cry room or yep. or even um, perhaps outside the building while they're taking care of their child. They're still participating yes. in Mass. My family developed a habit when we were getting ready for uh, for school for the years when EWTN would have on their live Mass we would participate in that live mass, even if it's just at the end to get the blessing, yes. because it's going on live. Yes. Now's the time for us to take advantage of that. Because, yes. And we'll talk about this in a moment. The Pope has given us a, a special permission to get a special kind of grace for being able to do that. Right. So with that in mind, we're not really being deprived by the Eucharist because it's happening for the church. Yes. It's not for us individually, but the absence of our heart grow fonder. And when we come back... Let's talk then a little bit about what graces we do have available to us. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Bishop Tim Fryer. We are talking about the impact of the COVID-19 virus on us spiritually and how we can overcome that with Christ's help. 
and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We are talking today with Bishop Timothy Fryer, who is one of our bishops here at the Diocese of Orange, serving Bishop Kevin Van. And uh, Bishop Timothy was discussing with us the impact of COVID-19 virus on the spiritual lives of, of all of us here in the Diocese of Orange and all of us in Southern California. And we were talking about uh, a couple of practical ways that's impacted us. We talked a little bit about why it is that even though we individually might be deprived of uh, Eucharist, that nevertheless, because Eucharist is being confected, the Mass is going on, and priests are still consuming Eucharist, the body of Christ is having Eucharist, and we are part of the body of Christ. That's all good. Individually, though, if I want to be selfish for a moment, I still want to get my soul to heaven. Yes, and um, there's a part of me that is a little nervous about it because I do know that I am trying really hard. I wish we could get back to uh, confession. I am trying really hard, but I could really use the grace of uh, Eucharist. But yet there are other graces that the Holy Father has uniquely opened up during this time. Let's talk a little bit about that. What did the Holy Father do a couple weeks ago that opened up plenary indulgences in ways that weren't done before. And and then what does that really mean? Let's talk about that. Great. One quick clarification. I know that some people have heard because our neighboring dioceses have responded differently. Some dioceses have said confessions available only in the case of danger of death. In our diocese, that's not the case. The scheduled confession time, you know, Saturday 3.30 to 4.30 is canceled because, again, you've got all these people together and they're not going to be following social distancing necessarily. But any person who wants to receive confession can call any priest in our diocese. <laughs> You're going to have and, a whole bunch of people from these other dioceses calling you. Yes. <laughs> but that's fine. I may get cost yeah. you on the way out the door. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's not a problem at all. So, so confession is still freely available. I know that a number of our priests have, have been getting a number of calls, and they're grateful for the calls. Sometimes, depending on the parish and the circumstance, it may end up having to be face-to-face because it's by appointment and the priest is opening the door if the secretary's been uh, furloughed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they're in, in larger rooms just so that they can maintain social distancing, mm-hmm. but the opportunity is still there. So thanks be to God, we've got wonderful priests in our diocese. Not one of them has complained about the number of people calling to go to confession, so that's a sign that God is still doing good things. You mentioned the Holy Father. The Holy Father has seen the devastation that has been imposed by this pandemic, and he's given us the opportunity to receive a plenary indulgence, which is a way for us to then not have the punishment of our sins. And especially for those who are sick, it's very simple, but for pretty much all of us, it's not that hard, you know, to spend a half hour in prayer reading scriptures or praying the rosary. Uh, hopefully these are things that we're doing every day anyway. Or, or he even opened it up, I understand, to participating in social media or video representations of the Mass. Correct. Or of the uh, video representations of the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Right. Or of the Rosary or other similar um, stations, of the cross stations of the Cross. As well. So, uh, And he then kind of gave an elastic clause at the end there. Anything similar to it. Yes, with the idea that you've turned your heart over to God for this, 
So what's different about this? Normally, a plenary indulgence requires what? Would require confession, reception of Holy Communion, uh, and prayer for the intentions of the Holy Father, as well as the going through the Holy Door or whatever. Whatever the, the event is, the event is. activity is that you're asked yes. to do. So you normally would have to do things you can't do right now right. for most people, which is to go to confession most of the time right. and to, to take Holy Communion. Right. And what's the Father, Holy Father done with this then? So he's pretty much said if you can't do those things through no fault of your own, then the indulgence will still be granted. The, the remission of the punishment will still be granted for your sin. So You still have to get to confession at some point. Right. And take Holy Communion at some, at some point. point. But it's at, at, at your earliest reasonable occasion that right. you could do it. And so for people who receive this, you mentioned that it's it's freedom from sin. This doesn't replace confession, and it, it, it isn't no. for people who are conscious of mortal sin. No. So let's talk for a moment about it. What does it actually gain for someone who are already in a state of grace? Right. So it, it gives us, after we die, any punishment that still remains from our sins is... We're talking purgatory type Purgatory stuff. type stuff. Okay. All of that is, is erased through the indulgence. Okay. So it's a grace that gives that sustains us and is with us even after we die. Now, there's one other requirement that's, that's kind of the kicker that I know is debated about what it does it actually mean, and that is that it, you also have to be free from all attachment to sin, and that's not just mortal sin, that's any sin. sin. What does that mean? Because I know that there's a couple different ways of looking at that. And most people that I've read have said that you truly wish in the depths of your heart to be free of, of, of sin. You truly wish in the depths of your heart to do whatever the Lord is asking you to do. So a person who goes to confession might go to confession and confess, I gossiped. And they truly wish to be free of that sin. They view it as a burden. But intellectually, you know, as hard as they've tried in the past, even with God's grace, they, you know, go home and that gossipy neighbor's right at the front door with the newest gossip about the neighbor and it's hard to just close the door on the friend. Uh, so they intellectually know I probably will still sin, but really I don't want to and I'm going to try with God's grace to resist the sin and the temptation. So this isn't necessarily about uh, already being totally purified and you've been cured of all, of all addictions and for, I know a lot of young men struggle with like internet pornography and things right. like that. The idea is that your intent is to be fully away from that and you are intending to do all that you can do to be away from all of that at the moment that this takes place. Right. So, but that so, does need to take place. You do need to have the firm intention. Using your example, the young man with internet pornography, if he wants this indulgence and he says, yeah, you know, I really should move the computer out of my bedroom into the living room so I, I, I'm not, not going to be private. tempted to do that. Yeah, not private. Or I'm going to get uh, an accountability software, a blocking software. And he knows that, and he says, um, maybe next week because I'm not ready to quite take that step. <laughs> That's where I'd question, are you right. truly wanting to, to get rid of that sin? If, and in the if, end, this is something that God grants. Right. It, the Pope has made it available to us, but it's God who's going to judge the soul as to whether or not we've actually done it. Right. So it's up to you to do the best you can. Yes. So how is that kind of a mentality toward sin different or similar to perfect contrition? Because I know while a lot of dioceses are are not able to have confession, a lot of people realistically aren't going to be able to get to confession in the dioceses that do still have it. I do understand that mortal sin will kill your soul, but 
if uh, confession is not available, there is a way to still go to heaven, even if you've committed mortal sin. Can you explain that a little sure. bit? Sure. So, and this is not just in the time of pandemic, but any time if a person is at the point of death and they truly are contrite for their sins, they truly wish to be with the Lord. If they were to survive that incident, they would make every effort to live as as the Lord would want. And they pray that act of contrition, either the memorized form or even of their own words, expression. You know, mercy me, a sinner, Lord, help me to sin yes, no more. Anything exactly. like that. Anything like that. That God is merciful. He's so merciful, he sent us Jesus Christ to suffer and die being innocent so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins, one through the death and resurrection of Christ. So the Lord's not looking for an excuse to send us to hell. So he, imperfect contrition, though, is the f- kind of like the, the fear that you're going to go to hell. Right. That's not quite enough. Yeah, it's a desire to be I, in union with God. I made you mad, and I feel badly that I made you mad. Right. It's kind of like if I have ticked off my wife, I'm going to be sorry I did that because I'm going to be punished for it in multiple different ways. Uh, Bishop, you have no idea. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you might. You've heard confessions. Yes. But anyway. Yes. Yep. <laughs> but I need to be sorry because I, I love my wife, and I didn't right. want to do that to her. I right. didn't want to hurt her. Yeah. It's that kind of a thing we need for God. It's not just I fear the punishments that I would receive in hell for this, or I fear what I would receive if I am forgiven by mercy but need to go through a long process of purgatory. This is because I, I've offended you, Lord, and I right. don't want to hurt you. Right. Yeah, so it's it's saying if a person is truly head over heels in love with another person, they want the best for that person. They want that purpose, that person to, to feel that love. And anything that they do that would cause harm or injury or make them doubt that love, the person would regret. How many times have I heard people say, you know, I was having an argument with my wife, and I said that, and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I wish I had that control <laughs> button that the radios have. I could go back seven seconds and yeah. and let it never be said, because they're sad to see the reaction of, of the beloved. And so it's it's that, I'm sorry I hurt the Lord. I'm And again, sometimes it's not just hurting the Lord, it's we've hurt ourselves when we do these things. And the Lord is saddened because he knows that through this sin, we will not have as much access to the blessings that he wants to shower upon us because we put some barrier between us and and God's love by choosing that sin. For those of us who are Catholics who have been in the rhythm of Catholic faith, and I'm very aware of it partly because I'm a convert, having gone through seminary as a Presbyterian, having chosen this freely, believe it or not, Bishop, uh, that the the rhythms can sometimes become cheapened in a way, I think. We we go to Saturday, we get our six-pack of grace and go, and I think times like these perhaps, you know, we were talking about this with Eucharist, but even with, with confession, times like these can make us, can remind us, am I really sorry for doing those things? Do I really firmly intend to no longer do that? Do I really want to predispose myself so that even if I didn't have a plenary indulgence, my, my cleanup time wouldn't be that long anyway right. because I've already processed right. that what I've done. These times can do that too, can't they? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think they allow us to, to, again, focus more on our relationship with God, to look at our ourselves. We're sitting at home now. We're, we've got a lot of more free time. You can only clean out drawers of your dresser so many times. Uh, so, so people are starting to have these, these conversations about, is this life the life that I, I'm leading, the life that God wants me to live? You know, is he having 
expectations, hopes that I'd have a more fulfilled, blessed life. And why haven't I gotten on board with that? And so they, they, there's some good conversion, I think, that's happening. I think so, too. And I think it's one of the things that while we're, we're talking about how horrible this can be for people, and I, I don't want to minimize that at all, anyone who dies from this is dying a horrible death. Yes. And that's something that I, I hope our spring break kids uh, don't have to ever experience, but that's why we don't want you going out there doing right. that because the person you infect is going to die a horrible death. But nevertheless, this is also a time for us to then, okay, the majority of us are not going to have that happen. So you've been given a new lease on life. What are you going to do with it? Exactly. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Bishop Timothy Fryer, and we are having a really good conversation on the impact of COVID-19 on us spiritually. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the practical aspects of things we can do in order to make life better while we're sitting at home alone, cleaning out those doors. We will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today has been and continues to be Bishop Timothy Fryer. And before we go any further, I want to make sure I've taken a moment to thank you. I deeply appreciate, Bishop, you taking time out of your busy schedule to come out. And Because even though you're not, I mean, the, the, the so many of our places have been shut down, you're very busy. You've got things you're still doing all the time. You just came from a meeting, and I know you're going to another one. Thank you for coming in here and thank, spending time with us. Thanks for the invitation. It's always good to be with you. I am so glad that you're able to talk to us today, too. We were able to go through a couple of very heavy lifting things. We talked about some of the theology of the body of Christ and why it is that even though we individually might not have Eucharist, the body of Christ is receiving Eucharist of itself to itself, and therefore we're not without it. Right. And we talked about uh, forgiveness. We talked about spiritual communion. We talked about confession. There are opportunities in the Diocese of Orange to have confession. That's good. If you are without an opportunity, though, we talked about total contrition and what that's all about, and then how to avail of the plenary indulgence that our Holy Father has made available to us. So all of those have been very heavy lifting stuff. I'm, I want to go to a little more practical level now. We've got a whole bunch of people who are home alone or home with family and wish they were alone. Yes. <laughs> well, at certain points <laughs> of the day, I'll bet anyway. I know, having been a principal, that uh, families with children are very special uh, creations. They're their own little home churches, and um, this is going to be a very interesting time for them and a very trying time for them, but we have families of all ages. I have uh, three daughters at home right now, one who's a high school senior, one who's uh, a sophomore, and one who's in her 20s and uh, has a special need, so she's uh, home most of the time anyway. But... We're all home together, and the dog is just so thrilled. Who's going to play with me today? Yes. And uh, But I do know we've already had one incident where the tempers flared a little bit amongst uh, some of my darling children. It does happen, even in the Howick household, and we're pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm actually impressed with my daughters. They, they remind me of what it is to be holy. But I'd like some practical advice for the people that are listening as to how they can make the most of this time that they have together. This is a unique time. Let's not waste it. So what can we do? So people, when they're not used to being home together 24 hours a day, uh, tempers tend to, to flare up now and then. So I think one of the things is 
gather as a family, especially first thing in the morning, and just ask the Lord to send his peace and his forgiveness upon the household. I think that if you start and then praying individually for one another, if I'm praying for you, then God's going to give me the grace to be a little more patient with you. And I think God's going to help me to be willing to just ignore some of the things that you're doing that are irritating me at the moment and not blow things out of proportion. So to gather together, you know, and then uh, maybe throughout the day, as you have lunch together, pray the Angelus at noontime, uh, have some short periods of time, gather together, watch daily Mass uh, throughout the day, pray the Rosary. But when you're praying as a family, I think God will give you a lot more patience and, and understanding. The other thing is, we're not physically combined, confined to the house. So if you're starting to get irritated, that's a good time to go for a walk. And before you escalate, say, okay, they're driving me crazy. I'm going to go for a little bit of a walk right now. So you can calm down, so you can gain perspective, and you can come back. And they still may be irritating, but now you're maybe laughing at it rather than getting upset by it. So, And if you've got one, your dog will love you for it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, 15 walks a day. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. yeah, just keep social distancing as, <laughs> as you're taking those walks. But also, I was talking with a friend, and he was saying that what he started to do, his younger kids than, than you, is he could be online, he could be watching Netflix, and he's saying, this is a great gift to my son, because I'm now on the floor an hour or two a day, and we're playing with Legos, we're playing you know, with whatever toy he wants, and... The son is just thrilled to have that bonding time that because of our normal time that we're spending commuting to work, etc., those are gifts. I live by myself, uh, but one of the things that I've been doing on the days that I'm not in the office but working remotely is the time that I would normally be driving is the time that I go and take a walk. I know I should be walking more, but take advantage of this time. So spend the time in, you know, in prayer, spend the time doing things as a family. When I was growing up, we would generally play cards. I would play hearts or we'd play gin rummy or, you know, when I was little, you know, war, whatever the case may be. But it wasn't just the game. It was the conversations that were happening as we were playing the game. It was the joking that came out. Uh, so whatever the game is or whatever the activity is, that's a good way to, to take advantage of this time to build and strengthen those relationships. Because when, especially I think with men, when we're doing something, then it's easier to talk about what's really going on. Men hate, how do you feel? Because first off, we don't know how we feel. We feel okay. I mean, you know, women have about 300 ways to describe how they feel. Men are like, I'm okay. I'm hungry. I'm angry. I mean, that's about it. But when we're doing something and we're not just having this eye-to-eye conversation, that's when, hey, I'm, what do you think? I'm kind of worried about X. And some of the conversations will happen, I think, while we're playing the game or while we're, we're doing the activity. So for people and families, I think that's it. But then also gather together and take advantage of some of the great media that's out there, formed.org. In fact, I think now they've even offered a free subscription for the time of the pandemic. So whether your parish has the subscription, many parishes do. They've subscribed to their whole parish. You get the code that you just go in. But they've got tremendous resources. They've got cartoon lives of the saints for little kids all the way up through adult content on faith, lives of the saints, Catholic movies. It's not just catechism stuff they've got, but a wide variety of entertainment. So I would say, 
you know, definitely check out form.org. There are things then you could do. You could watch a uh, cartoon Life of a Saint with a young child and, and have a conversation or uh, another more contemporary Life of the Saint or some about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Bishop Barron, his Word on Fire ministry, excellent content. You, If you don't want to go onto his website, just watch his YouTube videos. I mean, he's got great reflections and young Very adults approachable. Are yes. I'm, I'm sorry, Bishop, but not every priest preaches well. Bishop Barron preaches well. Yes. Anything you listen to him, he does very, very yes. well. And it's consistent. You know, I consistent. think there are days that I do well and days I'm not <laughs> as well. Um, but I, I've not heard a bad talk from Bishop Barron. And I've been blessed because we do get together as bishops, especially in, in the Southern California region. We have a silent retreat together. So apart from that first night when we're getting in, you know, we don't talk, but we've got other events and, and opportunities to gather. And it's just great having these conversations with him, and and we, we really enjoy one another's company. But Word on Fire, great resources. Here in, in Christ Cathedral, we house the Magis Institute with Father Spitzer. Father Spitzer. And Credible Catholic. If you have a teenager or even a pre-teenager who's starting to doubt the existence of God because they're hearing in school about you know, literalism and the Bible versus evolution and religion's fact and this is fiction. He shows how science actually helps a person come to faith and how faith strengthens the scientific method. Great series to, especially for not just young adults, but all adults, I think, but especially when we're finding that kids, you know, 8, 9, 10 through 13, they're not just leaving the church. They may be in mass physically because their parents have drugged them, Drag them, not drug them. Hopefully, not drug them. Um, but but they're there. But mentally and spiritually, they're not. But it's not just they're leaving church; they're leaving faith, the existence of God. And yeah. the Magis Institute has some great videos that really reconcile how we're blessed as Catholics. We are not literalists in the Bible. We recognize a variety of literary types that are in the Bible, and so our faith supports reason and science, and science then enriches our faith. So that's another great resource to just sit down and, and watch and have some conversations. This is where the Internet is your best friend. I mean, it can be used as a as a horrible uh, weapon, and pornography can be a, a terrible curse. But it can also be – look up the shot of Turin and take a look yes. at some of the material that's there, especially if you go to the, to the Maja Center again. Yes. We've got some great stuff there. Just some fascinating things to be able to think about and use this time well. And then you can still uh, get not only books, but many articles that are online that would be great. If you haven't uh, seen, like, First Things Magazine or go look that up, there's uh, the um, National Catholic Register, which is available online every day from EWTN. EWTN has a whole library of material. The Vatican has a whole library of material. If you like to read, all of that's available. And if you like to listen, I know EWTN has an audio library as well. Catholic.com. You know, it's got some great resources as well. You know, I hear that uh, OCCatholic.com has a, a great library here as well. Yes. We've got, I think it's eight or nine. How many different radio programs do we have, Jim? Jim is our technical director and expert in all of this. Six active. Six active. We have uh, a library of, of many different podcasts that are there. In fact, this particular program will be put on as a podcast. It's probably already available by the time this is broadcast to be able to listen to and share and, and, and send an email link to be able to get to it. Yeah. And so there's a number of things we can do. Yeah. The diocese also, we've primarily been using Vimeo, uh, but we're going to start putting more things on YouTube. 
there had been a concern about YouTube as far as we can't control what ads are going to be yeah. put up by our, our video, but I think we can just say, hey, we're not responsible for whatever ad you just yeah. saw, um, but we're glad you're here with us or whatever that might be. And again, the social media feeds, Bishop Van's on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, uh, the diocese is on Instagram and Facebook, our vacations office is on, on Instagram and Facebook. So There's a lot of practical lot of things that we can do. And then don't forget to take advantage of the plenary indulgence. You can offer that for other people. You yes. can offer it for them. Whoever is the most in need in purgatory right now, Lord, please let this apply to him yeah. or her. Growing up, when I was in first communion class, that was what I was taught was, you know, to when you receive communion as a child, I remember, you know, always offering that for the person in purgatory who is in most of need of it. And my catechist reminded us then that that person will be eternally grateful for the assistance given, and then we'll be praying for me for all eternity. And God's not going to be outdone in, in mercy. If you're being merciful to the people around you, God's watching. Yes. Wow. Bishop, I want to thank you again for being so kind as to come in and, and give us some words of encouragement while we're going through this very difficult time. Would you please pray for us and impart your blessing? Sure. And again, it's a privilege for me to be here. It's good to be with you, Rick, and, and to be able to share with you for this brief time. Let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we know that nothing will separate us from your love in Christ Jesus, not trial or distress or nakedness or the sword, principalities, anything. Nothing can separate us from from your love in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you for that infinite love. We ask that you give us the grace to feel that love more strongly, that we know it is there, but we, especially this time, we need to feel it, that we would feel the peace, the joy, and that we know that Jesus Christ has already conquered everything. And so we know that this pandemic, this suffering, too, will be conquered by Christ. We will be free of it. And so we are grateful for the signs of your love that you've given to us. Help us to take advantage of the many gifts that you've given to us, the opportunity for confession, for spiritual communion, for the plenary indulgence. And help us in particular to continue to pray for one another, to unite with one another, And we ask that you send us the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howard, your host. With me today has been Bishop Timothy Fryer. And we have been talking about how to deal with the COVID-19 virus, and I think we had a pretty good conversation. If you would like to hear this again, you can go to occatholic.com, go to the radio tab, and you can access all of our radio programs there. OC Catholic is our flagship, and this will be up waiting for you to share with a friend. And we will see you again next week.